Thanks for joining another episode of the Paul Chabot Show. Great to be with you all here again. Uh, this episode is going to be about my experience serving in the Navy and lessons learned over 21 years. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by GOPAgent.com. GOPAgent.com. Work with a Republican agent to sell or buy a home at GOPAgent.com. Well, I recently retired from the U.S. Navy with 21 years of service, and it was bittersweet. I had a chance to obviously reflect uh, on the day that I officially retired and to examine my career and the choices and the experiences. And you know, life is always about sharing these experiences with others so that we can help uh, better the community, the lives of those around us. But I think what's most important to me is that we reach out to kids. Uh, right now, military uh, involvement, recruitment numbers are way down for a number of reasons. And uh, I won't get into those in this uh, shorter podcast. What I do want to talk about is just the critical nature of our military and what I learned in 21 years of service. First of all, I highly recommend to anyone, uh, if you've got kids, uh, get them on the track, uh, ROTC in the schools, uh, lining them up for that potential opportunity for ROTC uh, in college as well. Look, there's certainly a financial aspect to this in college. And at the time that you serve while you're in college counts towards your total time uh, down the road, which is important, but it's just such an honorable uh, thing to think about. And it's a time in our country where we need leaders. And uh, there's a whole segment I've done on leadership. We'll delve more into that as well. But the Navy, and I'll say all the military, is really about building leaders, especially in the in the officer corps. If, if you're not a leader, then you're not an officer, and that's really critical. However, I will say, um, look, the enlisted that I've worked with across the board, amazing uh, leaders, especially at the senior levels. We know in the Navy that the chiefs run the Navy. So God bless you all that, that are listening. Now, uh, let's get back to your kids for a moment. I've got four kids. I have no idea if any of them are going to pursue a military career or consider applying for one of the uh, academies, right? For college, which is basically a four-year degree paid for by the federal government. Uh, and yes, the government owns your child because they are now in the military. But hey, parents, guess what? You don't have to pay for that education. Now, I will say don't just guide them there uh, just to avoid paying uh, college or helping them pay for college. They obviously have to want to do this. And they're looking for the best of the best. And you need a letter from a state rep or a federal representative as well to help along that application process. So absolutely something uh, to consider. And uh, we'll see if my any one of my four kids uh, decides to go that route. Now, what have I learned in the 21 years serving in the U.S. Navy? I'll tell you, I think the, the most important aspect of this was when I was in Iraq in 2008. It is that we are all one team, one fight, regardless of the uniform that we wear, because Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine, etc. we all have different uniforms. But what I learned uh, in Iraq is especially working for a joint special operation task force is that we all work together we certainly might come from different branches just like we all come from different parts of this country we got to work together for a common goal and it can be extremely effective in doing so and so when i uh first joined the navy i always thought geez as a military intelligence officer if i ever go to war i'll be on the deck of an aircraft carrier right like you read in the books you think about uh, World War II, you think about Battle of Midway, you think about Pearl Harbor, you think about 
intelligence or intelligence failures and and what is it that you can do to contribute to keep the Navy strong? Well, I always imagined that had I ever received a call up to go to active duty, that's exactly where I would be, somewhere at sea. Well, I joined in 2001, a few months before September uh, the 11th. And I was uh, stationed in Washington, D.C. at the Office of Naval Intelligence for uh, training. From there, I went to the Pentagon where I worked as a reservist inside the National Military Command Center, had the Asia PAC desk as a very junior officer, J.O. Ensign at the time. Uh, but look, learned an incredible amount because that too was a joint environment where we had every branch of service working together uh, for the J2 in the Pentagon. The J stands for joint. Joint is all branches together. The two that I just mentioned, that number two means intelligence. So the J2 is who I worked for in that environment. That was my first experience of really seeing all these different branches work together and extremely effective. Now, fast forward a few months, 9-11 happens. Fast forward a few months after that, uh, mobilization begins to kick up within our military and uh, folks start deploying uh, overseas. Now, I didn't deploy for quite some time. In fact, a number of years had gone on. I had moved from Washington, D.C., got married, moved to California, and I was in the Navy Reserves. And a few days before Christmas, in I believe it was 2007, uh, my skipper of my unit called me up and said, hey, congratulations, you just got activated to go to Iraq. Uh, you can imagine how I felt. Obviously, love to serve my country. At the same time, we just had a baby, baby Chrissy, just a few months old, and my wife was pregnant with our second. So there is always this anxiety and, and hesitation. And of course, this was during a time where uh, extremely uh, dangerous for our men and women serving over there. And what I had entered into in this phase was known as the surge, where we were surging forward troops of all branches of service to go to Iraq to get a handle on this. Because quite honestly, it looked like we were losing this thing. And we can get into that for reasons why uh, Iran played a huge part in killing our soldiers and sailors uh, as well. We'll we could talk about that in another episode. So, you know, here I am a few months, a few weeks, a few days before Christmas, and I get the order uh, that I'm heading out. Well, you know, I planned the goodbye party with my family and friends. They all come over. And uh, then I, I get a call from uh, the Navy saying, hey, somebody uh, decided to volunteer to take your billet. You don't have to go. Well, look, at this point in my life, I was like, hey, send me. Okay, I've already quit my job or told them I'm leaving, told my family I'm gone, had a goodbye party. Send me. Uh, Y'all need troops. Send me wherever you can. And so uh, I got a call back a little bit later. They said, okay, great. We've got a billet for you. I was sent off to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for three weeks of army combat training with all Navy to learn how to wear what they call the battle rattle, how to drive a Humvee, um, how to shoot the uh, M16 and a lot of target practice. And then from there, I went to JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command. And then later I deployed in what we call the sandbox uh, in Iraq and uh, just had an amazing experience. Yes, uh, a lot of things happened out there, obviously. And I tell people we are all, all broken. Uh, any of you that have come back from a combat zone, you don't come back normal. And I think honestly, nor, nor should you. But what is normal? And I don't mean normal in, in an insulting sense. I just look, we have seen, done, been around things that dramatically impact us, whether it's physically, uh, or mentally, or oftentimes 
both. And uh, so look, that has happened to, to many of us. But when I was in Iraq, I had a, a incredible opportunity to work with some amazing uh, leaders. And I, I will say that, yeah, look, uh, as somebody with ADHD like myself, um, being somewhere away from home, time kind of stands still. So like a day feels like it goes by a month, a month feels like a year. Um, but the, the tempo where we were over there, there were no days off. Obviously, you were seven days a week, uh, 14 plus hour days. Uh, had a unique opportunity, uh, you know, to live in a particular uh, base, which had top secret um, uh, components to it. But I also had a chance to travel uh, throughout Iraq, not just with our American forces, but with our Brits, uh, to a variety of places uh, from Mosul, way far up north in Iraq, um, to Fallujah, which uh, was a very famous and deadly uh, battle before I. Uh, went boots on the ground where we lost a lot of troops that were going door to door to, to Baghdad, to the capital, uh, to a lot of different places. And um, obviously, you know, you're away from home, you're missing family, but you're also around just amazing patriots that love their country. And you can't help but feel that sense of pride knowing that you're a part of history, that you are doing your part for your country. And that uh, in many ways, you're also not really unique in the military because you're following in the footsteps of our founding fathers, our grandparents, and our great, great grandparents that have always fought for this country. And so now here I am 21 years later and having retired, you know, the, there is a sadness. There is, because uh, you never really want to leave, and it's the people. Um, I have had some amazing uh, skippers and exos, and I have been put in some amazing leadership abilities and the mentorship. Uh, but here is what I think is genuinely one of the pillars uh, that we don't talk enough about in the military is that nobody goes in doing it for the money. In fact, most of us in the reserves, when you take on and go in as a reserve, you actually could potentially lose money, especially if you're a small business owner, because you're away from your business, you're away from um, all those different pieces. And you're not making a lot on drill pay unless you promote up well high, and that could take a lot of years. So <coughs> you're sacrificing not just your family uh, time away, but also a financial aspect of this. And now speaking of family, uh, I have now have four kids. When I first went in, I had none. I wasn't married. And it's a blessing uh, to obviously be a father and a husband. There is also a component here that is not talked enough about, and that is the families. All of those out there, uh, husband-wife teams where one is getting deployed and the other is behind taking care of all the bills, the things that break down in the car and the house. And so you know, we experienced that. And we also experienced so many friends and family coming around while I was gone uh, to help out. Here's my message. If you know anybody who's serving, who's deployed uh, right now anywhere in this country, certainly they may have a farewell kickoff. And uh, to the spouse, the initial you know, few weeks, they probably have a lot of different help and people calling and checking in. But after time goes on for a while, uh, just human nature, out of sight, out of mind, and many forget, forget about the spouse. And so if you know anybody who is behind right now, and I just mean here in the States and their spouse is deployed, Reach out to them, ask them how they're doing. That is obviously a critical component, but also 
reach out to the service member, email them, check in, just say, hey, thinking about you. Uh, as you know, suicide amongst our veterans and active duty is just out of control uh, for a variety of reasons. And whatever we can do in our small way to reach out to say hello, hey, we love you, we're checking in, how are you doing, how are you feeling, that, that makes an impact. Absolutely uh, makes an impact on the, on the lives. So, uh, you know, here we are 21 years uh, later, and I jokingly say there are some things I am not going to miss, not going to miss. Um, one of them is checking email, not because of what was sent to me, but because of the process of having to log in from a home computer using what's called a CAC card, which looks like a credit card and has a chip in there. I will tell you, I don't know what it is about the Navy and why it took us so long and we're finally transitioning out here to another system, but oh my gosh, my wife can attest to this, that there were so many nights and days where I would try to log in to do work from home as an XO of a unit and unable to access these systems. And that was probably, if I had to pick something about the entire experience in the Navy that frustrated me, it was that, it was, it was that. But going to drill weekends, People think you're marching around and doing push-ups. No, uh, you're actually doing your job uh, for what you would do if you were on active duty. Many of our reserve components, especially in the Navy, when we report for a weekend or a week or whatever it is, we're doing a job. We are doing intelligence analysis, collection, dissemination, whatever it may be, uh, real world activity. So if you're looking at joining the military, if you're looking at being an intel officer like I had a phenomenal chance to do here, you're gonna get a chance to do real world work on your drill weekends. And then your two weeks a year, uh, yes, that is often training, just your first few years to get you qualified. But after that, what an amazing time to go do exercises. I had a chance to go to Japan, um, Australia. In Australia, I was on the US, I was on the, the Blue Ridge, a command amphib ship. Just uh, my first time on a Navy ship, my first time you know, sleeping. Uh, in a three-rack uh, open bay, 200-plus berthing uh, with folks snoring at me at 40-plus, having to climb down 10 times a night because I got a, a small bladder, right? The older you get, right, guys? Yeah, uh, but what an amazing experience uh, to go at sea. Or do experience when you have your time off to go to these countries. Now, you can't obviously do that in certain countries, but you can in Australia and Japan where I went to. So you do get a chance uh, to see the world, you get a chance not only to work in depth with your military component and other uh, folks within the different service branches, but you also get a chance to work with other nations. I was in Canada for an exercise and worked directly with the, uh, the Canadians on uh, anti-submarine, anti-mine warfare about 10 years ago. And I'll tell you what, uh, we rely heavily on them. And uh, what they can put at sea uh, to counter the mine threat should we ever uh, go to war in uh, that part of the world looking at North Korea because North Korea knows that one of the ways uh, we were decimated generations ago was by old school mines just dropped in the sea and that is still a huge threat. So when we come at this and do our exercises, we learn not only our capabilities, but we also learn the capabilities of our allies and what they can bring forward. And that has taught me a lot in the business world as well as a small business owner. So here on the Chabot Show, uh, PulseChabot.com, uh, PulseChabotShow.com as well, 
we are always focused on what is keeping our nation strong. And so talking about the military, the things that we have all learned through service is critical because look, people can rightfully criticize the military today for going woke in certain areas. And that is a huge concern or the, the forced vaccinations and providing zero, there were zero religious exemptions um, in many components of our military. Look, that's unacceptable. Uh, why write, Why have a military exemption when you are going to have a 0% approval uh, you know, for that? So look, going forward, I will always love and adore my military experience, uh, just a highlight of my life. But now going on forward here at the Paul Chabot Show, it's about making sure we keep our great nation strong. So it's about leadership. It's about honor. It's about integrity and just service. And so thank you for listening. Thank you for our sponsors at GOPagent.com. That's GOPagent.com. Hi, I'm Derek Baker. And I'm Paul Chabot. And we founded GOPagent.com because America is in trouble. We've spent our entire lives in Republican politics, from working on Capitol Hill to the White House. We believe in America and the conservative values that built this great nation we all call home. As you know, those conservative values are under attack. We're real estate agents and we help clients buy and sell homes in all 50 states. Yes, most of our clients do leave blue states for red states, but many others must continue the battle in their blue states because of a job, taking care of a family member, or any other host of good reasons. If you're a patriot and vote Republican, then please pay attention. A real estate agent earns a commission every time they help a client buy or sell a house. These same agents are required to pay dues to realtor associations. These associations have political action committees spending lots of money supporting candidates who reportedly support realtor values. As we say in Texas, Houston, we have a problem. In 2020 and 2022, the National Association of Realtors gave more money and supported Democrats over Republicans for political office. In fact, in 2020, National Association of Realtors spent more helping Democrats than in the entire history of financial disclosures as shown on the website Open Secrets. Even in conservative Texas, local realtor associations routinely support and donate thousands to moderate or even liberal candidates who oppose our values and even oppose policies beneficial to homeowners. So why is this important to you? If you ever sell or buy a home, work with a Republican agent who shares your conservative values because they're not gonna give money they earn from a commission on the sale or purchase of your home to support a radical candidate that goes against your values. At GOPagent.com, our licensed real estate agents won't give a dime to Democrats. Whether you're considering a move across the country or just across town, GOPagent.com can help. Thank you and God bless.